Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Well, hello there and welcome to the VLGA Connect Governance Update with thanks to Hunt and Hunt Lawyers. And I'm just wondering why I've got a pensive looking Stephen Cooper on the other side of my Zoom screen. Hello, Stephen. Oh, hello, Chris. Look, part of me is saying, thank goodness you're here. Um, oh, really? Take a, a weight off my shoulders. And the other part saying, where's this weather, tropical weather you're meant to be bringing with you? Yeah, sorry I couldn't deliver. I couldn't deliver on that, but I'm sure your initial comment is in jest because I have uh, listened back to the podcast you produced while I was away and I actually thought you don't need me, Steve. You did such a good job with your guest hosts. What am I here for? Look, let me give um, a bit of a nod, Chris, to uh, to the fabulous Alison Watt, uh, Sarah Rye, Tony uh, Rownick and also Joe Nosegard because um, what a fabulous bunch of guests I couldn't muck up. Well, uh, no, you all did you all did terrifically well, and uh, it was great to see Joe Nosegard, uh, who, of course, we both worked with at Hobson's Bay for a time, and yes. good to hear her uh, her take on the federal budget. So I hope people have been able to catch up with that. I know many have. Looking at the numbers, mm. uh, lots have. Um, so how have you been, Steve? Have you carried the weight of responsibility appropriately, or are you needing a It's holiday? been a burden, Chris, but how I've done, I will leave that for others to judge, as long as you're back refreshed and um yeah i am indeed i am indeed um i basically have to catch up on everything i heard the only thing i heard from home during the time i was away was about floods and so i just want to say to all of those people working hard in councils around the state and even uh interstate uh what a cracker of a job you've all been doing to deal with with that and uh keep your communities safe i can just only imagine what a trying time it's been oh look extraordinary times chris and when we think that uh the the water that's currently moving through sort of kerrang murrabit swan hill uh won't get to mildura for for another month so we're a long way before we're out of this um, and I echo those um, sentiments in terms of just the terrific work that's being done. We have a lot to talk about. There's been quite a few things that have happened, which we, so we might just have a real whirlwind trip through the headlines today, Steve, to uh, make sure we cover stuff and uh, and most importantly get your take on uh, these issues. Um, Let's do, actually, Chris, can I just do one thing while yeah. we're talking about floods? Sure. Um, give a quick nod to Councillor Anthony Tran, the Mayor of the City of Maribyrnong, who you wouldn't have seen it, but appeared on the Q and A program, and we'll pop the link um, to the Q and A post in our in our show notes. But um, I was thinking particularly of a um, of a response by Mayor Tran to a question about that was actually rather critical, unfairly, I thought, Mm. about the local government response to the floods. And I just thought he did a terrific job, well measured, well prepared, should be more of it. That's really good to hear. You're right. I didn't I didn't see it. I did see, uh, oddly enough, uh, his appearance on a press conference that I think Bill Shorten was giving at the height of that uh, that flood issue because on the you know, um, I was on a cruise for most of the time um, and we had ABC News Channel oh, in really? our state rooms yes yes so that's how I kept up uh, to date and I turned it on one day and there's 
uh, Mayor Tran from Maribyrnong. Um, and at another time, I saw Mayor Weller from Campaspe and a few others, which was... All those familiar faces. That must have been a challenge for you, Chris, because I, I had just imagined you'd spent the whole time listening to Glenn Fry's remake of Sea Cruise um, <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> Didn't no, no, not even once. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get back to where we're supposed to be. And, of course, the state election campaign is underway, and you and I have been having a chat, Steve, about this, the, the, I guess the the difficulties is perhaps too strong a word, but the intricacies of how councils uh, behave, react, respond, uh, etc., during this uh, period of time. Um, as you know, I've reminded a few folks in the last few days, councils are not in caretaker mode. The state government is. Yes. But uh, there's a balancing act here to be struck, isn't there? When you've got so many political announcements and stump speeches happening in your patch. Is that something you think governance people turn their minds to in terms of advising councillors how to deal with that? I am feeling um, extraordinarily contrite on this topic, Chris, because I'm thinking, I, I suspect I haven't given enough thought to it over my career because I'm really torn on the topic of what does a council do when a local member or the other political party um, want to come into the municipality and make an announcement over a project that may or may not relate to the council plan, but may or may not be good for the municipality. Yeah. Where do you draw the line about councillors and officers um, attending and supporting those events and being seen to be even-handed? Exactly. And I think that's, that's one of the real challenges because often... Uh, council staff and uh, council laws don't know some of these announcements are going to be made. They don't need the council's permission to come into the municipality and make an announcement. But sometimes the relationship is good and strong and they do know, which leads to this this uh, lack of balance as to where the council might be seen to be supportive or involved, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, and, and it's, look, it's probably pretty easy for a councillor who has a political alignment to stand in the background yeah. of an announcement, and they can always just say, "Well, no, I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my my councillor hat." No one can tell me I'm not speaking for the municipality. That part's easy. It's for the you know the mayor and the executive staff. At what point do they attend or not attend? Yeah, I'd be really interested to get some feedback from yeah, the, the viewers and the listeners on: Is it an issue, or is it something that you've discussed at your council on how we're going to handle? Uh, this over the next few weeks. I've got to say, Steve, it's only been, I've, I've been back half a week and it's going to be a long three and a half weeks to go. Well, a, long, a long three and a half weeks in a mercifully short election campaign period. Mercifully, yes. Uh, I, I could do with it being mercifully shorter, to be honest. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, be interested to hear people's thoughts uh, on that one. Uh, as I said, there's been a lot happening. Uh, the big one that caught my eye uh, as soon as I got back on the weekend was the minister prior to uh, caretaker kicking in appointing a commission of inquiry to look into the affairs at Moira Shire Council. And Steve, you will recall, as many of our viewers and listeners will, that there's been a municipal monitor in place at Moira for a little while, Marg Allen. Marg's appointment uh, concluded at the time of the appointment of the commission of inquiry. And uh, what's your take on what that commission of inquiry is being tasked to do? Well, we don't know that bit yet, Chris, except to say that uh, there was also um, quite widely publicised a, uh, a media release from the Australian Services Union, um, 
one of the things that the commission will do is get some terms of reference and then we'll all be a whole lot clearer as to what are the matters being investigated. It's not a particularly common process. So if anyone's a bit confused about it, I'd just go straight for the Local Government Act between sections 200 and 220. And there's a bit of light reading, which I mean, my sort of brief takeout from that was that the commission does have um, pretty extensive uh, powers of information gathering. There are particular um, penalties of applying to persons who are not willing to um, cooperate with the uh, with the commission. Um, and apart from that, Chris, look, who knows where it's going to go? We'll just have to wait and see. So I, I can fill in a bit of that, Steve, because the terms of reference are on the website now. Um, I don't know if they were there originally. It does say further information will be made available in due course. And it specifically talks about the, uh, the inquiry needing to look at or examine is the word confidential advice provided to the minister by the municipal monitor and a confidential letter provided by the Australian Services Union. So that doesn't tell us anything about what's in those letters. No. But pretty broadly, any matters affecting the councillor's performance of their roles, the council administration's performance, including human resource practices, the efficiency and effectiveness of the council's governance arrangements, and any other matters identified by the Commission of Inquiry that have an impact on the council's ability to function. So as you say, that's pretty broad, and uh, they've been required to report back by the end of February next year. The, the one bit that's missing for me at this point is who will constitute the commission. I don't believe that's been announced yet. No, I haven't seen that, Chris. And I'm just picking up on a point that you've raised. The Local Government Act does talk to the power of the commission to uh, essentially seek whatever information it, it believes it needs to seek. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we don't have a lot of these commissions of inquiry, but there is a list of them on the website. And the last one takes us, we've got to go back to 2019, when there was one uh, instituted for uh, South Gippsland. That mm. one led to the dismissal of South Gippsland Shire Council. Now, don't I'm not trying to read anything into that or suggest anything because there have also been commissions of inquiry that have not resulted in the dismissal of uh, councils. Always a good idea, Chris, not to preempt the mm. outcome of an inquiry that hasn't yet happened. So, yeah, I, wise words point. by you. That'd be good governance, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Yes. All right. So obviously, the will take, Chris, the process will take its course. It will. And a good process is a good process. So uh, the Growth Areas Infrastructure Contribution Fund is making some noise in this uh, political environment. Uh, Steve, I know you've had a look at this uh, suggestion that there's a big bucket of money that hasn't been allocated yet in those growth areas. Well, Chris, the ABC have reported this week that more than $368 million is sitting in, a, in unallocated funding. Um, none was promised uh, in the 22-23 budget and outer suburbs residents are not happy. And this, and you'll understand this better than me, is funding that comes from developer contributions in uh, that apply in the growth areas. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm sort of got... Um... Uh, memories of a lot of talk over the years about the sustainability fund as well, which uses the land, uh, the landfill levy, etc., and how that's uh, allocated. Uh, at the end of the day, the government makes those decisions, and we just have to wait and see what uh, what comes of it. Well, it was interesting too, Chris, that the ABC at the foot of their of its report said that the, referred to a 2020 Auditor General report on developer contributions, which recommended investigating reforms to the program, including improving project selection and seeking greater council input. 
So it seems like that the, the schemes are somewhat immature in that we're, we've gone some way to collecting the money, but we haven't quite worked out how to spend it wisely. And um, I think the report calls it a design weakness. All right, so that's an ABC report which will pop into the show notes if people want to have a look at that. There's a few sort of news stories that have come off the ABC recently that are uh, worthy of checking in on. Uh, Ganawara Shire Council is still making news, uh, Steve. This is around a petition to fly the rainbow flag, which uh, received some attention a week or so back. Chris, can I just, in talking about that, um, give it, I am reminded of um, our rather excellent panel discussion that we had last Friday with the VLGA um, and our special guests, uh, Nolene Duff, Liana Thompson and Anne McCormick from Canada. And during that discussion, Anne talked about asking the five whys. Mm-hmm. You know, why, 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 why? And if, if you get an issue and you keep asking why often enough, you will get to what's the strategic purpose of the matter that's under discussion. So, you know, using a request by a group of residents to fly the rainbow flag, asking why would say because it's a public health and inclusion issue that will, you know, potentially impact on the well-being of that particular at-risk cohort. You know, yeah. I would have thought that's not the best way of describing it, but what I'll do. Um, instead, one of the councillors chose to characterise it in a different way and basically said that, well, if we fly this flag, um, you know, anyone, group of neo-Nazis could come to us and ask us to fly their flag. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It was essentially awesome. the argument. Um, and pretty, I just think... Pretty weak argument, I would have thought. Well, I just think we can do our job a bit better than that, Chris. And, yeah. and you know, take the, take the individuals out of it, look to what the strategic issue is, because no one's actually making the council fly the flag. But what people, I think, do expect of their local governments is that the matter will be given due consideration, which is sort of consistent with the responsibilities of councils as set out in Sections 8 and 9 of the Local Government Act. Yeah, okay. Uh, That's good. Uh, Also making news uh, is um, out of uh, the inspectorate, um, a council candidate facing court, Steve. What's happened here? Chris, I missed that. Um, And it happened a few weeks ago, but a... A candidate in Mil- in Maroondah, sorry, uh, was deemed to be ineligible uh, by virtue of the fact that they'd been convicted of an offence carrying um, a possible penalty of greater than two years. Oh. And so the inspectorate did what one would expect the inspectorate to do and took the matter to court. And I think the surprising part was that the... Uh, uh, the candidate received a six-month good behaviour bond um, and a fairly modest um, a $300 penalty and $700 towards the prosecution's cost. So I would have thought the candidate um, got off pretty lightly. Yeah. Um, you say you missed that, Steve. I missed that too. That goes back to, I'm just looking at the date on the website, the 8th of September. It does. My gosh, where are, where are our loyal listeners, viewers uh, pointing us pointing out our failings when we miss a story like that? Well, I did sort of wonder, Chris, whether I should just let it go, but it just seemed to be a significant enough issue that, yeah, yeah. maybe we should and just may a culpa that, yes, we took a little while to get around to talking about this one. Yeah, fair enough. Um, a bit more election-focused news. Um, Yarra Council's in the news for um, allegedly, according to the press, uh, threatening a candidate with enforcement action over their campaigning activities, Steve. 
pretty unusual one, this, Chris, um, in the sense that I think most um, members of council staff involved in enforcement know that at election time, one, uh, uh, say so you might carry a big stick, but in fact, you seldom use it. Um, and in this particular case, the Liberal candidate was um, basically received a, a warning um, correspondence from the council. Um, and then the article pointed to some apparent inconsistencies. I can only presume there's more of a backstory than we would know because it is highly unusual. The bit that really struck me was that um, some commentators were seeking to draw a line between the elected councillors and the enforcement yeah. action. And I would presume that um, to be highly unlikely, Chris. Uh, that was the thing that jumped out at me too. And the way the media portrays these stories as if it's the, in this case, the Greens majority councillors determining to take some sort of action against a Liberal candidate. When in fact, mm. we know it's, a, it's a, a bylaw, if this is correct, that's being enforced by officers under delegated authority. And it's not something that comes around the council. No, and... and elimination. It, Metropolitan councils, there's enough enforcement that happens that the, the officers are experienced enough and the councillors know well enough, you know, as a rule to stay out of this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I would prefer if someone wants to make that suggestion, then make a specific allegation that can be tested. Otherwise, it's probably not good copy. So, so there. Of, so there indeed. Lots of uh, CEO and mayoral election news, which we'll come to yes. in, in just a moment. But I do note today, because you pointed this out to me, Steve, that the Know Your Council data for this year has been released as of today, as we record this on a Thursday evening. Yes, and, and props to LGV for um, releasing this on a Thursday, even though they didn't know that we were going to be recording on a Thursday, Chris, and breaking that long-standing habit of Friday afternoon announcements. Um, so yeah, the Know Your Council data is up. I was really taken by a couple of comments in the email. One, acknowledging the challenges facing councils and recognising the many achievements, especially in the areas of governance and managing council finances. Mm -hmm. And the other one noting that Taorong Shire didn't submit their performance data or governance and management checklist before the deadline and are not included in this year's release. And I was we haven't had time to check this out, Chris, but I was wondering, does that mean they'll be added later or is there no data for Tower? That's what I was wondering. That's A, that, a that's unfortunate. Uh, B, not great that they've been called out like this, but, you know, mm. um, uh, there might be more to that story. Um, and, yeah, I would have thought it could be added, but perhaps the system is such that you can only have one upload of data. I don't know. Maybe someone can set, shed some further light on that. For us, Yes. All right, um, so check that out on the Know Your Council website. Uh, I know some of our listeners will probably be very keen to start doing some of those comparative research exercises. I think, and, and I know that a number of people who are interested in having a run at council in 2024 are were eagerly awaiting the release of that data, Chris. Now, Steve, um, lots of CEO level decisions made uh, while I was away, and you know, I'm a, you, you know, this is something that I uh, really like to stay on top of. Uh, it all happened while I was out of the country. How does that uh, happen, Chris? I, I know. Couldn't they have waited? 
It was only four weeks. I mean, not, really. Not that we're letting our egos get ahead of us, but anyway, you couldn't they wait? Anyway, what it did give me was a great little uh, roundup update mm. for the podcast uh, this week. So I just want to quickly work through these. Uh, Jackie Weatherall, uh, well done. Uh, moving to Greater Dandenong um, from Stonington, uh, will take up the position next month. And that, of course, is after John Benny retires, after 47 years, Steve in the sector and i think it's about 16 at greater dandenong yeah and a very decent fellow um john benny and i think lots of uh there were lots of accolades for john on his career um who and in fact he stayed on um that uh, term of, of if his contract was extended to enable a smooth transition so well done to all concerned there and congratulations to jackie well done, Jackie, which of course means that Stollington now goes to the top of the list of uh, CEO level positions to be mm. determined in the coming months. Um, another one that's made headlines is the resignation of Justin Hanney at the City of Melbourne. Unexpectedly, in the end, uh, he was expected to be there till December, uh, I believe. Um, but then after the, and I'm not drawing a d deliberate link here, but after the release of the Employment Matters Committee um, uh, determination into the donation issue with regard to the Sydney Hobart Yacht Race. Um, Mr Hanny had resigned last week or the week before and Alison Layton, the deputy, has been appointed the acting Indeed. CEO. Mm. Yeah, so, and yes, presumably that will be a very hotly contested role, um, usually internationally advertised, yes. Chris. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It will be very interesting to see how that one... Uh, works out. Uh, Lucy Roffey at Central Goldfields. Uh, congratulations are in order. A new contract for uh, five years, I believe, coming into effect from next March. So that will see her there through to 2028. And Mark so Dupay, before you go there, terrific, yes. terrific work by Lucy, having um, worked with the uh, administrators and then um, brought along a new council to then be reappointed. I think it's just fabulous. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yes. Um, uh, well done. And uh, Mark Dupay at Borbor has had a contract extension through to 2025, if I recall correctly. So I know Mark is a uh, listener or viewer uh, of this program. So um, congratulations to you, Mark. Yes, well done to him. And my mail is that all parties are very happy with that arrangement. Excellent. That is good to know. Um, now, an ex-Victorian CEO in uh, David Keenan, who I know still has uh, a lot of contact with people in the Victorian sector, uh, was at Mitchell, of course, at one point. Um, it's had a few other postings since then. Uh, is now making the move from Mount Isa to Scenic Rim Regional Council in Queensland. And such are those shoes that need filling. Uh, Mount Isa has tapped Dale Dixon, the former Gold Coast CEO of 18 years, to come and fill in for three months or so. Chris, I am disappointed in you because I was sure you were going to say Shepparton's own Dale Dixon. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no, I forgot that actually. Ah, uh, yes, yes, no, sorry, missed that opportunity. But but good point on the Gold Coast pickup as well. Yeah. So, yes. so a bit happening there uh, interstate as well. And of course, if you listen to the local government news roundup podcast, uh, there's all sorts of that stuff uh, usually that we can share with you. What else, Steve, has been catching your eye? There's a few federal things uh, I notice uh, in terms of uh, courts and witnesses in anti-corruption cases, etc. Anything you want to comment on there this week? Oh, I just think that um, corruption and uh, sort of integrity issues um, just keep bubbling along at all levels of government, Chris, and maybe, uh, yeah, that that will just be a recurring theme, yeah. sadly. 
I notice uh, this week that uh, IBAC has gained an injunction against The Age from publishing a story related to an unreleased report on one of its investigations, which is an interesting development. Well, it is, it is and it isn't because we'll all play a game of whatever could that be. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that it is an unreported investigation means that, um, you know, we're really talking idle speculation, Chris. So it will be yes. interesting at some point we'll find out. Yes, at, at, when we're supposed to. Uh, yes. Is, is what I would say to that. All right. Can we have a look at uh, the mayoral elections that have been determined so oh, far? Yes, please. What have we got, Chris? So we've had a few. The uh, The season started uh, last week. I think East Gippsland was one of the first there. And a curious little development there with um, Mark Reeves being reappointed as mayor. And I understand uh, there were two candidates for deputy mayor and no absolute majority was able to be achieved. Oh. So they are having another go at that election. And Steve, they're not the only council that's in that position. Goodness me. Well, and isn't that interesting, Chris, that the um, the appointment of a deputy mayor would you know, attract that level of attention, Chris? Yes, uh, I think that's perhaps a good thing. Uh, the Greater Shepparton City Council is the other. I was expecting you to ask me, oh, which council? Well, it's Greater Shepparton, Steve, where Shane Sarley has been re-elected as mayor. Now, of course, Shane only came into the role around June when Kim O'Keefe stood down uh, to run her uh, state election campaign. Uh, but again, two candidates for deputy mayor, no absolute majority achieved, and they will be having another attempt at that election in the very near future also. Um that's interesting, but I, you skipped past something I thought you would mention, Chris. Am I? Is it my imagination, or was um, uh, was the appointment of Councillor Sally for a two-year term? Very good. Yes, Steve, it was, and it's the only one so far where it has been for a two-year term. Good to know you've been taking notice of oh, these things. Always pay attention to Shepard and Chris. Yep, very good. Uh, Glen Elkshire, another of the first cabs off the rank with Scott yep. Martin, the new mayor there, and Jaden Smith, the deputy mayor. Greater Bendigo has an interesting process. The, they're the only one that does this, Steve, that I'm aware of in Victoria. They have indicated that Andrea Metcalf will be mayor again and that Jennifer Alden will be deputy mayor. She's been a mayor and a deputy mayor before. Uh, but that's to be formally confirmed at a council meeting next week. So it hasn't actually happened yet. And I'm sure that, yes, that is that is the habit or the custom at Bendigo mm. where... Clearly, there is an informal agreement. And I know in the past, I think they've described the mayor and the deputy mayor as uh, mayor-elect. And that's exactly what they're doing this time too, mayor-elect mm. and deputy mayor-elect. Uh, last night, as we record this, uh, Councillor Joseph Hawil returned to yes. the mayoralty at Hume City and Councillor Karen Sherry is the new deputy mayor. And of course, uh, Councillor Hawil was part of that terrific project that the VLGA was involved in and launched uh, just a month or so back about um, diversity at uh, the local government level. With the Scanlon Foundation, we mm. possibly should put that link on our, um, on our show notes, Chris. Yeah. Um, because uh, not only not only Joseph Hawils, but uh, there's some terrific stories in there. There sure are. Uh, Mooney Valley is another that was quick off the mark with Mayor uh, Pice, uh, Pice, Pierce Tyson, excuse me, Councillor Tyson, uh, first time councillor, first time mayor, uh, and experienced councillor Samantha Byrne is the deputy. David Robertson is the mayor at Southern Grampians Shire. I think he was the deputy last year. And Helen Henry is the new deputy mayor at Southern Grampians Shire. Wellington Shire, Councillor Ian By is uh, the mayor and Councillor John Tatterson is the deputy mayor. There's a few um, uh, 
uh, Metro Council's happening tonight. I think uh, um, one of the M's is happening tonight. It might be Manningham. Manningham, Marybeck, Maribyrnong. <laughs> I just love the way Marybeck rolls off the tongue now, Steve. Oh, stop it. <laughs> 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 on the blooper tape, Chris, you know that. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm way out of touch here. Uh, Steve, help me. I think that's all that uh, we had to talk about. Anything else I, from you? No, I think, um, Chris, you, it's just your role. Oh, no, I do have one more thing. Sorry. Yep. We have um, at the VLGA some global panels coming up. And um, one year on, COP26, so uh, environmental progress, Um since the COP26 um, forum, that's going to be on Thursday, the 10th of November with an international um, panel. We've got a state election series, um, VLGA Connect, which has been put off for a whole range of reasons, including the passing of Her Majesty the Queen. That's now on Friday, the 11th of November at 2.30. Um, and the VLGA annual general meetings on the 17th of November. So lots coming up. Check the VLGA events page, Chris. Excellent. Um, registrations for those things. And while you were doing that, I did recall two things I wanted to mention. There is a new councillor in the state of Victoria. Any want to have a guess where that new councillor is? Refresh my memory, Chris. Bullock Shire, by-election, oh. delayed due to the flood, but we have the results. And uh, Bernadette Hogan, a former councillor and a very recent audit committee member at Bullock, is now the new Mallee Ward councillor as a result of the declaration of that. Uh, result and I just wanted to mention Linda Scott, the uh, president of ALGA, has been re-elected unopposed, I think, to the presidency of ALGA this week. Also, well, congratulations to Bernadette Hogan or new councillor Bernadette Hogan, who I believe would be giving particular representation to the good folk of Birchip, and um, and to councillor Linda Scott, who may or may not be a listener, but congratulations anyway. Probably not. Probably not. She's a very, very busy woman. But who knows? Uh, someone who knows who may pass on our good wishes. All right, Steve, uh, I think that's probably enough for our uh, first go back. And I want to thank uh, Tony Rownick particularly for uh, continuing to support uh, the governance update and for being a guest on the program. The viewership numbers of that particular episode, Steve, are like out of the park, home it's run. Extraordinary. Yeah. What did you get up to? I listened to it. And I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think it was that interesting. What What's the story there? Well, I think when people just heard Tony say aloha in that particular <laughs> style, I don't know. There must have been something alluring about it, Chris. We'll never know. His An alluring aloha. His, um, his secret recipe. I think you've just come up with the title for this episode. Thanks, Steve. Talk soon. Thanks, Chris. You too. Cheers. And thank you for listening and watching to uh, the governance update from VLGA Connect. We'll see you again very soon.